I lost consciousness. I was life-lighted. I guess I stopped breathing. Obviously, I was unconscious. I turned blue. When I gained consciousness the next day, the phrase that came into my mind was very, very clear. And it was this. Your life has just been saved, and you better damn well figure out why. My purpose in my life really was to give people the hope that they could survive any kind of tragedy, that there are skills and tools at our fingertips that once we learn will help us face these challenges with strength, strength and courage. The Tiny Habits Method has given me a tool that I can use to habitually show up with a positive mindset to overcome these challenges and these hardships. If we design how we're going to respond, we can usually design how we want to show up, how we want to be as human beings. Hello, this is Dr. Eugene K. Choi, and you are listening to the Neurohacking Podcast. If you're a heart-driven leader, then this podcast will show you the proven science-based ways to tap into your unique superpowers. That way, you develop the skills to perform and feel at your best. And believe it or not, the only reason you get stuck and get uninspired and unmotivated is because your brain's been programmed to behave that way. And I started this podcast to show you how to rewire those parts of your brain that aren't serving you so that you can learn the skills to activate your highest levels of performance, get your energy back, and find the clarity you need right now on how to powerfully create that life that you alone were meant to live, all using science. You are listening to episode nine, and this is my interview with Linda Fogg Phillips, director of Tiny Habits Academy, based on the New York Times bestselling book, Tiny Habits. Linda, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Well, thank you, Eugene. It's always fun to be with you and to have conversations with you. I think I always walk away uh, more enlightened and with more knowledge when we do that. So thank yeah. you. I have so much fun when we get to hang out. It's always such a pleasure and an honor. The reason why I wanted to have you on, uh, well, there's many reasons, but one of the first reasons was just how powerful your story is in terms of like the whole nine yards of like how you even came into this work that you do with your brother BJ and Tiny Habits, how it's been being used to transform so many people's lives, right? With practical, tangible results. In addition to that, the story of like how it impacted your own life as well. So I'm kind of curious, like kind of like the birthing journey of like what started all this for you? In 2008, we lost my 20-year-old son. It was a very tragic loss. It was to an accidental mm. Oxycontin overdose. Now, he was a high school athlete and, you know, in high school, and then he transformed in, he then uh, became a personal trainer. He did a lot of weightlifting competitions, and he really was a brilliant kid who also was really invested and committed to health and wellness, not just for himself, but for others. Mm. And during that journey, unfortunately, he did in high school get introduced to Oxycontin by, unfortunately, a wrestling coach of all people. Wow. So he became addicted to that. And continued to buy that off the black market. For quite a while, he did have a challenge with it, and we were able to work with him, get him professional help, and get him to the point where we thought this problem and this challenge was behind us. But unfortunately, lo and behold, 
at the age of 20, he fell back into the cycle of the addictive use of oxycodone. Mm. And unfortunately, he overdosed and it took his life. That was a devastating experience for our family. I have eight children. Garrett was the third of eight. We're very, very close. And because this was such a sudden death, it shook us to our very core. The year following Garrett's death, I struggled. I struggled with depression. I struggled with apathy. I struggled with loss of hope. I didn't really know how to navigate that kind of a loss, that substantial loss. Now, you know, very um, religious type of a family, and I didn't blame God for this loss, but yet I didn't really have the ability to cope with that loss in a very productive manner. I really don't know that any parent does. And this is a kind of loss that you never get over. In fact, one of my very dear friends shared with me a very important quote that really helped me sort of put this kind of a loss into a better perspective. And what he said to me, he said, Linda, people will tell you that time heals, but don't believe them. All that time allows you to do is to learn to live with the pain. Mm. So I, you know, my expectations of really putting this aside and, and moving away from this were more realistic that this was just something I needed to learn to adapt to. However, I was struggling with that. Shortly after Garrett's death, well, about a year after Garrett's death, I had a very serious horse accident. Here again, I was more or less in an apathetic state, just getting out of bed every morning because I had to, because I had other children to care for. And, you know, my life was really dark. In fact, what is interesting about this kind of loss, all the color went out of my world. I really didn't even see color. My world became black and white. And maybe from a brain type of a perspective, you know why that was. That was a surprise to me. Mm. Also, I stopped listening to music didn't have a desire or interest to listen to music anymore. And that still really hasn't come back, even though I do now see color again. <laughs> but yeah. so, you know, that's just um, sharing with you the impact that this experience had on me, not just mentally and emotionally, but physically as well. Well, as time went on, year following that loss, I still was struggling. We had a five acre horse ranch at that time. I loved riding. Um, this was my dream. My children and I did a lot of hunter dressage competitions and just a lot of fun with our horses. And my horses, my barn really helped me. It was a safe place for me after the loss of Garrett. But a year after Garrett's loss, I was out riding in the desert on a charity ride. And I was on one of my, what we call school horses, that was a really solid horse that we use for teaching and training children how to ride. This horse got spooked out in the desert. He reared up and fell over on top of me. Now, this horse was, you know, like a 17-hand horse, about 1,700 pounds, a very, very large horse. It crushed me. I lost consciousness. Fortunately, I had a riding helmet on because I was riding with one of my younger daughters. And, you know, I asked her to put a helmet on, so obligated, I put a helmet on as well to set the, you know, the pattern of the right thing to do, which was the yeah. right thing to do. The helmet saved my life. But nonetheless, I lost consciousness. I was crushed underneath this horse. I was life flighted to a nearby trauma hospital. I don't remember any part of that flight. You were but carried I, by helicopter. Yes, yes. Wow. They, okay. they had, yeah, I was life flighted. I guess I stopped breathing. Obviously, I was unconscious. I turned blue. You know, my friends that were with me share with me the terror that they had. Of course, I wasn't aware of all of that. But my husband and my daughter that were with me, they thought that they were going to lose me as well you know, just literally 11 months after losing my son, simply because of the severity of that accident. So yeah, I was life flighted to the trauma center here in Las Vegas. When I gained consciousness the next day, and it, I was unconscious for about uh, a little less than 24 hours, but when I gained consciousness the next day, 
The phrase that came into my mind was very, very clear, and it was this. Your life has just been saved, and you better damn well figure out why. That pulled me out of the apathetic state because it was like it was like a direct revelation from God. I felt like, okay, God was speaking to me. Or maybe it was even Garrett, my son, that was speaking to me. I don't know. But it pulled me out of that apathetic state and made me realize that I should be dead at that point in time. All my ribs were broken. I was in the trauma hospital for over a week, making sure my lungs didn't collapse and learning how to move again with every single rib of my body being broken. It was very painful. But as I come out on the other side of that, I had a renewed sense of energy and a renewed sense of purpose to know that there was a purpose, a reason that I was called to do to contribute back to the world. Now, it took me a little while to really find that purpose and that reason, but that purpose and that reason is the tiny habits method and the pearl habits method. And I'll talk a little bit about what I mean by pearl habits. But I know that at that point in time, the purpose of my life, not just besides being a mom to my children, that, of course, was my ultimate purpose, but my purpose in my life really was to give people the hope that they could survive any kind of tragedy, that they can rise above challenges that they might have, not even just life-threatening types of challenges, even though that's you know pretty substantial, but just our daily challenges that we have, that there are skills and tools at our fingertips that once we learn will help us face these challenges with strength, yes. strength and courage. Yeah. Basically, resilience. And that's really what the Pearl Habits Method is about, is helping you create habits of resilience. Mm. I define resilience as courage in action. And so learning how to be resilient is learning how to be courageous in the face of difficult situations. And and what are our habits and our behaviors for that? So what was this method that you discovered that started turning around things for you? Yeah, the method is called the tiny habits method. Now, my brother, Dr. BJ Fogg from Stanford um, University, he's a behavior scientist there, was playing around with this method in early 2010, 11, and 12. And yes, this was a couple of years after my son had passed, and I was still struggling to really get back on my feet and to understand you know, why my life had been saved. Also, during that period of time, we used to have a home building business here in Las Vegas. And as you know, the housing crisis, yeah. you know, it was worldwide, but really concentrated here in the U.S. And it took us out of the game because we were a small family business. It, it completely mm. wiped us out. I have a daughter who has bipolar that was also in and out of the hospital during that time. And so I just felt like every turn of my life, I was faced with overwhelming challenges that I just didn't know how to navigate. And at one point in 2011, I was was on the phone with BJ. We're very, very close. And he has been a constant support to me through my son's challenge with drug abuse and losing him and, you know, all all of those pieces that kept you know, those roadblocks that kept uh, falling on, on my path. And one day BJ said, hey, Linda, why don't you try this new tiny habit that I've been playing around with? It, I think it might help you. And when he explained the habit to me, I thought, how can that help me? That's so simple. Why would that even help me? But because he's a pretty smart guy and because I love him and I know he loves me and has my best interests at heart, of course, it's like, okay, why not? It's not going to take any time and it's not going to hurt me. And the habit now has a name, and we now call it the Maui habit. And this is how this tiny habit goes. The habit is, after my feet hit the floor in the morning, I will say it's going to be a great day. And then celebrating. And as you and I have talked before, you know the celebration part of the tiny habits method 
is releasing those endorphins and dopamine, those feel-good yes. chemicals in our brain. And it's immediate. In fact, in our research that we've done, that celebration needs to take place one to six seconds after that behavior occurs. That's how quick mm. it needs to be. So it's not a reward. It's not something that's delayed. It's an immediate release of positive emotions. So as I started practicing this tiny habit recipe, I was surprised. Within three days, my mindset had shifted. I had been able to pull myself out of the mindset of being a victim into being a victor. Simply by waking up in the morning, before you hit the floor, you would get up and you tried it out, even though you might not have felt like it in the moment. Yes, exactly. And, you know, the first couple of days I did it, I thought it was silly. It's like, oh, you know, this is really sort of silly. But Mm. by the third day of doing it, I had a change of mindset. I had a change in my energy. And I think a lot of it was because I was celebrating. So I was releasing those endorphins and dopamine immediately upon getting up in the morning. And it gave me that feel-good feeling as opposed to that dread of getting out of bed. Also, uh, by saying it was going to be a great day, I was basically putting out into the universe what I was expecting for that day. As a result, instead of focusing on the things that were hard, I still had hard things in my day. We all do. But I was more aware of the great things that occurred, the good things that occurred in my day. And so I was more focused on that. It also, I think, another big shift for me is it helped me realize that I had the power to control my day. And prior to that, I was allowing my day to control me. Mm. You know, the hardships, the challenges of my day were infecting, impacting how I felt, how I responded, how I interacted with, you know, my loved ones. Because I was pretty much in the dumps. I, you know, I was struggling. But when I shifted my mindset and when I started my day off with a win, my days went better and my relationships got better with others. And I knew that's because of the energy that I was putting out, the way mm. that I was starting my day. And so I credit BJ and he knows this, but I credit BJ and the Maui habit for really saving my life, not just changing my life, but saving my life. Because the path I was on was a very dark, destructive path. And it was not one that was allowing me to serve my family and my friends and my loved ones. But by shifting my energy and shifting my mindset, I'm able, even today, you know, I've done this habit now for over 10 years. Even today, when I got up, I said, it's going to be a great day. And I always do, you know, my celebration for that habit is a two thumbs up and saying, yes, you've got this, or Mm. you you can do this. So sort of a, you know, a pep talk for myself. But that really has helped me start my day off on a high level, you know, with high energy and really putting out into the world my intention to make the day the best day it possibly can be. The first time I heard you explain this, like light bulbs went off in my head because I was just like, she gets it. Like, this is so important. So for people who are listening, like, I want to just take a a minute to just break it down for a second, because a lot of people reactively just might be like, really? Like, that's it? It's that simple, right? But I want to break down, like, there's a lot of things behind the scenes. There's so much depth to what you just did, that method, right? So number one is like, when you're saying, I'm going to have a great day today, right? It activates something called your reticular activating system. It's the same reason why, you know, you might want a blue car 
let's say, for example, you drive on the road and you're like, why do I see the exact blue car everywhere on the road? It's not because they were always, weren't there before. It's just your brain now focuses on what the intention is, right? It's a pattern recognition, a bias type of thing. But now you're kind of telling yourself like, hey, focus on this. I want to know why it's going to be a great day today. And now your brain works towards that. In addition to that, the key secret ingredient, like you said, that's so important is the feeling part. Because I think we all experience with our habits of like, oh, I want to have a better habit of working out, but I don't feel like it. So I'm going to not do it. So you're tackling that part head on so that how do we get you to start feeling like doing it? And you create these like experiences so that it actually feels good. And then when it starts feeling good, you're going to want more of it. Like, would you agree with all that? Completely. Yeah, yeah. completely. And that's when I was just like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And the, the model that you created, all of that, like, it just made so much sense to me after like, just like hearing you. So I'm kind of curious. So like this turn started happening where mindset started improving. You started feeling better. It doesn't mean that challenges didn't come along the way. How did it start impacting the rest of your life from that point on? Yeah. What it allowed me to do is to um, start developing coping skills. Now, you know, even after this event, I still had a lot of challenges, like major challenges in my life. In 2014, you know, shortly, I started practicing the tiny, ha the Pearl Habits method and started actually teaching it professionally in 2012. In 2014, my husband was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And this was shortly after we lost our business. We had to file Chapter 7 bankruptcy. We literally lost everything. We went from a network, you know, a spreadsheet or net worth of $30 million to zero. You know, wow. it was like we were starting over and the starting over was on my shoulders because my husband, due to his early onset Alzheimer's, he was diagnosed at the age of 58, didn't have the ability to rebuild our home building business, mm. didn't have the ability to support our family. I still had children at home. I had children in college. And so here again, that was a very overwhelming feeling, overwhelming burden. Mm. Yeah, it really wasn't a burden. It was an opportunity. And so here again, it's how you reframe it. It's how you look at it. And that tiny habit of saying it's going to be a great day helped me face these challenges in a way that taught me how to reframe the hardships and the challenges so that I could then rise above them and then figure out solutions or, you know, basically solutions to the problems that we had and to continue to support my children. I also strongly believe that gratitude is a huge component of how we survive. So when you say, you know, how did this help you cope or how did it help you to get where you're at right now? The tiny habits method has given me a tool that I can use to habitually show up with a positive mindset, to habitually show up as I can do this, yeah. to overcome these challenges and these hardships. And the Pearl Habits Method is a derivative of the Tiny Habits Method where the anchor moment, the prompt, is an, an irritant or a challenge. Now, as we talk about the Tiny Habits Method, there's three distinct parts of creating a tiny habit recipe. Mm -hmm. We call it the ABC. The first part of it is the anchor moment. That's the prompt. And when we're teaching our coaches and professionals to use the Tiny Habits Method, and even when we're working with clients... We have them identify an existing routine that they want to attach a new tiny behavior to. So this is an action I would do every single day, whether it's yeah. like I brush my teeth every day yes. or I turn off the sink every day. Exactly. Like, hopefully you get up every day. So the Maui <laughs> habit, you know, <laughs> before, you know, hopefully that's so something, something. Keyword being it's something you already do versus something yeah. that you have to add on to doing. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
In fact, another one of my clients, and this goes along the lines of gratitude, another one of my clients from London um, was really struggling with a lot of challenges in her life as well. And so as I started to work with her, she didn't really want to do the Maui habit, and that was perfectly fine. It wasn't, you know, she just didn't feel like doing it. And this is one of the important things that we teach our coaches is help your clients do what they already want to do, not right. those shoulds or those have-tos, because that's when you're really trying to amp up motivation, yes. and it is not a reliable habit if you're relying on motivation, because right. motivation ebbs and flows. So with Ina, every morning she brushed her teeth. And here again, knowing from experience, my own experience, as well as working with professionals who coach in the space with us and that we've trained, as well as working with my own clients, I knew that when somebody was really struggling with maybe with some depression or struggling with just some creating positivity in their life, the gratitude habit or creating some kind of habit of gratitude can be transformative for them. Because mm -hmm. here again, like what you said, it comes down to what they're focusing on. Right. You know, they're focusing on the positive as opposed to the negative. Right. With Ina, I said, okay, Ina, how about this? Let's design a tiny habit recipe of after I brush my teeth in the morning, that's the existing routine that she did every day. Right. So I that's the wrote, prompt yeah, or the anchor the moment. Prompt, okay. Anchor moment. And we even got so specific as to, you know, and this is what we teach our coaches, what's the trailing edge of that anchor moment? And for her, it was putting her toothbrush back into the holder. So we got so specific as to after I brush my teeth in the morning and put my toothbrush in my holder. Mm. You know, that's a very specific point in time that acts yes. as a prompt. And the tiny behavior, what it was hoping to get her to do, and this actually worked out quite well, was just to write in a notebook one thing that she was grateful for. And I said, I don't care if it's the same thing every day. It doesn't really matter. But I want you to create the habit of gratitude. But here's one of the secrets to creating successful tiny habit recipes. The anchor moment and tiny behavior need to take place in the, in the same location. And the behavior is so tiny that there's no willpower needed to do that. And that you take away that resistance. And so um, she bought it a little feel notebook. frictionless. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, like, oh yeah, it's so easy. It's like the Maui habit, saying it's going to be a great day. It's like, oh yeah, it's so easy. Why wouldn't yeah. I do that? Yeah. And so for Ina, she got a little notebook and had a pen by it. And she put it right by her toothbrush on the bathroom counter. So as soon as she put her toothbrush away, it was really easy for her just to write down one thing that she was grateful for. And I said, it doesn't matter if it's a word, you can write a sentence, you can write the same thing every day. You know, whatever you feel like you're grateful for, just write it down in that notebook. A week and a half later, when I had another coaching session with her, she showed up beaming. She was happy. She was excited. And she says, I can't believe how well this habit is working. She says, in fact, I even like to read back through what I've written in the previous days and reflect on the things that I'm grateful for. So mm. gratitude is really a, a transformative habit that helps us see, and this is a habit that all my clients, I recommend to have daily, this helps us see the good things in our life and not focus on our challenges because we all have challenges, but we also yeah. all have great things that happen. I love that because one of the things I often say is where there's courage, gratitude is behind the scenes. Because like we don't become courageous unless we're grateful for that thing. We don't lay down our life for someone unless we're grateful for that person. And that's what musters up the courage to keep being resilient, to keep going on. And I'm kind of curious. So like if we were to break down the method here, you were saying the ABCs, correct? So what you did with her was there has to be a, like an anchor moment, a prompt, something that I'm already doing every single day. And specificity always gives clarity. So it sounds like you got really, really specific. Like when you put yeah. that toothbrush holder into that cup... That's your prompt to do the, and the B is the behavior. Is that right? Like the tiny yes. behavior. Yes. Okay, got it. 
Yeah. And the behavior needs to be really, really tiny. Now, sometimes the pushback that we get from clients and also as we're training our coaches, mm-hmm. we help them realize that even big behaviors can be scaled back to be really tiny. Because if you look at how habits are created or even how a baby learns how to walk, it's with babies. Mm, it's with right. tiny steps. And so if you start really tiny and feel successful and you know have that success momentum, then that behavior does organically expand and grow to be a bigger behavior if that is indeed what you want. Right. And then the behavior and then the key part after that out of the ABC was the celebration. Is that right? Celebration. Yes. Got and it. we call it the instant celebration. This is where we differ. Well, we differ on a lot of different fronts with other methods mm-hmm. that are out there. But BJ is a behavior scientist. This is a scientifically proven method. We've studied this week after week since 2011. So we're going mm. what on what, 13 years? It's yeah. now 20, yeah, about 13 years. And our data that we collect every week is remarkably the same week after week. So we know this is a, a method. In fact, it has been studied by Stanford Healthcare and other organizations as well, as far as official blind studies. So we know this is effective. It gives people the hope and courage that they can create changes in their life. And they it does it in a very simplistic way that then grows to be bigger. And that's what we call success momentum, leads over to other areas of their life as well. So the instant celebration is just that. It's the instant attachment of a positive emotion. It's not a reward that's done later on. Rewards are great, but let's be clear. Rewards do not create habits. It's the instant attachment of a positive emotion. And Eugene, this is right down your alley. So you probably know better than anybody. I love it. And what I really love about the work you do is like, it's not made up. Like this is real things and you provide the resources. You have like over how many uh, ways of celebrating, instantly celebrating? Oh my goodness. You know, they vary as many as uh, people. I mean, I do have a list, which I'm happy to share with you. I do have a list of 102 ways to celebrate tiny habits. 102 different ways to instantly celebrate. So when people go, I don't know how to instantly celebrate, you go, here's 102 different ways. And I realized that was the secret sauce because that's when I was just like, oh, great. I'm going to create my own tiny habit. I would, I remember the thing I did was every time I'm done brushing my teeth and I know I'm going to be turning off the sink. After I turn off the sink, I'm going to look at the mirror, give myself a high five, and then smile, right? Instantly celebrate and just smile, even though you look ridiculous doing it, right? But then, because I wanted to start off my day with, like you said, more gratitude, more resilience, more energy. And it's been so awesome. How The interesting part is how quickly it happens. Yeah, You think this is something you have to spend years practicing, but like it happens so quickly. And I remember I learned from you too, like that whole saying that, it takes what, if there's different numbers all the time now, right? Yeah. 30 days, 60 yeah. days to create a habit. This debunks that myth, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, completely. You can create a habit very, very quickly. It really depends on the strength of the emotion that you use in your celebration. Mm. Unfortunately, there's a fallacy that we think it takes 21 days to create a habit. That stems from a study that was done in 2009 called the Lolly Study. That study was not a causation study which is how it's interpreted. It's mm. um, it's not like directly correlated with the cause. No. Like this is the cause, no. A equals B, like kind of thing. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's what has been propagated out in, in the world. And when we don't create habits in that amount of time, we think that we're a failure. We think, oh, what's wrong right. with you? That yeah. really is harmful. That's damaging. But yeah, as you, in fact, think about something that you've done that only took once or twice to do and it's a regular habit for you. For me, I have an aura ring. Mm. And this aura ring 
tells me what my sleep um, results are from the night before. And because I'm really focused on improving my sleep, this helps me. It helps me feel empowered. Yes. So I've had this for a year and a half. Yeah. The first time that I used this and opened up my app to see what my sleep report was for the night before, it gave me a feeling of empowerment. It's like, okay, now I really know what's going on and how to change my routines to help support better sleep. That didn't take 21 days. It didn't take 60 days. It took one. And it's because it pulled up a positive emotion for me that made me feel good. That's the key there. Because you felt so empowered, why would I not want to keep doing it? And I I have one too, and I love it, right? And it's interesting how accurate it can be. Like if you go out for a heavy night of drinking, then you see your HRV go down, right? Like you see results happen or like you're feeling stressed that day, you see it in your sleep results, right? It's just so interesting. And so if we're to break down, we just broke down the tiny habits method, right? It's the ABCs where there has to be an anchor moment, a specific prompt, and that's what you start working with to attach the tiny behavior and you attach that tiny behavior that has to be frictionless. It has to be really easy to do. It's like ridiculously easy that like you wouldn't be complaining about it. And then the instant celebration so that immediately you feel that emotion because if it feels good, you're going to want to feel good again. So then how did that translate over to the Pearl Habits method then? Like how did that evolve? Yeah, the Pearl Habits really evolved from my application of the Tiny Habits method during really challenging times in my life. And that's really what gave birth to the Pearl Habits Method. Because what we realized is as you learn the skill of habit formation, and that's how we teach it, and that's how we approach it, is that it is a skill. Even celebration is a skill. It's a skill that we can learn and apply to any aspect of our life. And what I started to do is the anchor moments were those times where I felt overwhelmed or when I felt like I was struggling. Or, you know, and even though ideally they shouldn't happen every day. But for me at that point in time, they they were daily emotions, daily feelings. And so what I started to do is recognizing those emotions or recognizing those difficult situations and attaching a a response, deciding ahead of time how I was going to respond to them. Now, there's an important word differentiation here. And being a mom of eight children, as I look back on raising my kids, there are many times as a parent that I reacted. And whenever I reacted to something that my children did, I'd always look back and think, oh, I should have done, should not have said that, or I should have done something differently. So reaction, typically when we react, it's sort of like a knee jerk situation and we don't think through. However, if we design how we're going to respond, we can usually design how we want to show up, how we want to be as human beings. Especially in times of adversity, we will react (laughs) without thinking. It's a survival mechanism, right? But keyword without thinking, like it just, okay, got it. So what's interesting is like, you're using the adversity as a anchor moment now. Yes, exactly. And thinking ahead, okay, how do I want to show up? in this kind of a situation. And as a result, I believe that you're able to show up as your best self because you design how you're going to show up. Let me give yeah. you sort of uh, another random example. Yeah. Two years ago, the catalytic converter was stolen out of my car. Unfortunately, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, that's sort of common right now in the U.S. Yes, it's happened I to me that, too. And it, I have this old Sequoia. I love it. You know, it has like a 250,000 miles on it, still running great. But I went out to start my car and it sounded like a freight yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's happened? You know, what's going on with my car? I thought, oh, I'm losing my muffler or something. And I called my son to come look at it. And he, he just said, mom, get down and look underneath. And of course, not knowing mechanics very well, he talked me through where my catalytic converter should be 
Yeah. And he said, is there something there? It's like, nope, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> but, you know, so I still had to drive my car every day. However, it was very noisy and it is illegal to drive without a Cadillac. Yes. I took it to the shop to get it repaired and replaced. It was $2,500 and it took three months to get it in because this was in the middle of the pandemic. They couldn't get these oh, parts. Oh, wow. So it was a big irritant to me. It just made me mad. And so every time I started my car, I would forget that it was gone. It would be really noisy. It would make me jump. And then I realized, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to practice a pearl habit. And the pearl habit that I designed there was when I hear the rumble of my engine, I will tell myself, I'm glad they left the rest of my car and celebrate. And so rather than- Wow. Turn, what was the celebration just out of curiosity? Celebration is, yes. You know, because I've got a great car. Even though your catalytic converter is missing- Thank God I have the rest of the car. And yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yes. And I have had old car, a whole car stolen. So I know how inconvenient that was. So there's a frame of reference as well. Yes. yes. Okay. But instead of, you know, turning on my key and just being angry and irritated and like whoever stole it doesn't know that I'm angry and irritated. I'm, it's not, doesn't hurt him. It just hurts me. I then designed a pearl habit to diffuse that negative response and here again, express gratitude. Oh, I'm so glad they left me the rest of my car and that I can still drive it. So. You know, that's an example of a pearl habit. Wow. But even another example of pearl habits is when you're struggling in life, like as my, we're going to go back to my husband and his yeah. illness, when he was struggling and starting to decline to the point where he could no longer dress himself or bathe himself, needed help getting food, needed help feeding, you know, he really was losing all of his capacities and abilities to function. It was overwhelming. Very, very overwhelming. And here again, I started feeling the impact of that overwhelm. And I realized again that I needed to create some positivity. And mm. I started thinking, okay, and by this time, I had learned the impact of celebration and by releasing the endorphins and dopamine on demand when needed. And so I started thinking, okay, I need a tiny habit recipe that I can implement throughout the day so I can continue to keep, you know, keep in a positive mindset as we yeah. struggle through this challenge. And so I started thinking, okay, what's an anchor moment that occurs frequently throughout the day? Well, because I drink a lot of water, which is another one of my tiny habits, I use the restroom about seven times a day. Mm. And so I designed a tiny habit recipe of, after I flush the toilet, I will think of one person that's made a difference in my life and celebrate them. And that helped me release the endorphins and dopamine you know, six to seven times a day. So it was an extended feeling of elevation, an extended feeling of, I can do this, an extended wow. feeling of positivity. That's one example. Another example of one of my pearl habits is when I get put in a situation that I feel unfamiliar with or makes me feel uncomfortable, mm. I reframe it by saying, oh, this will be a new adventure. I wonder what I'm going to learn. So here again, we like adventures because we have fun. We explore. We have new experiences. But oftentimes when we get put into an experience that is unfamiliar or awkward to us, we want to retract. We want to say, yes. oh, I'm afraid of this. Yes. But here again, this pearl habit has helped me put my mind in the framework of, I wonder what I'm going to learn this time. Or I wonder what God wants me to learn on this journey. Or I right. wonder what I can learn where I can help other people. Right. But that's a habitual response to my feeling of awkwardness or my feeling of uncertainty is that response. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And so you're teaching this to people now where you can train other people to use the methodology to impact the people in their lives as well. Is that right? 
Yes, yes. It's our Tiny Habits Coach Certification Training Program. And it teaches both the Tiny Habits Method and the Pearl Habits Method. Mm. And we're seeing the impact that these professionals that go through this training now have to really help their clients move forward, to help their clients create the lives that they've always wanted to create, but they haven't had the skills or the tools. Tiny Habits is really an overlying methodology that applies to any professional industry where you're working with other people. It's essentially the key that unlocks the door. It's the how to do that many coaches and professionals are telling their clients what to do. Now, I've been a personal trainer. I'm a professional coach. I'm a health and wellness. You know, that's where my master's is in health health and wellness. It's really easy for me to tell people what they need to do. The hard part is helping them with the how-to. And that's where, where Tiny Habits fills in that gap. So now I have a tool and a skill that I can use with my clients to actually help them. Well, how can they drink more water consistently during th- throughout the day? As you know, water is really important for brain function, for yes. weight loss, for endurance. You know, every aspect of our body, water is hugely important. Yeah. Uh, one of my tiny habits is after I hang up from a phone call or a Zoom call, I will take a sip of water. Mm. And as a result, I drink about a gal- gallon of water a day. But it's because I now have this regular behavior embedded into my daily routine that helps facilitate that habit and staying hydrated. So what's some of the impact you've seen now that how many people have you trained over the years then? Oh, my goodness. Um, We started the certification training in 2012. It has evolved quite substantially over the time. And after the Tiny Habits book came out. It evolved even now or even since then. And we're evolving it even now to even be a higher level type of a training. We truly feel that anybody that is in any aspect of health and wellness needs to have this kind of training because it really is going to help you be more impactful and more successful with your clients. One of the biggest things that we see, and I do have data behind this, that is the most important thing in creating habits or helping your clients create habits is their confidence. Do they have confidence that they can really, truly make changes in their life? Do they have confidence that they have the skills and the tools to create those kinds of changes? And we collect data every single week um, from people that go through our five-day program. We also collect data from our coaches. And when I say our coaches, they're basically the professionals that are using this in their practice. Mm -hmm. And our most recent number, as far as increase in confidence, 91.3% of the people that have used the tiny habits method in the prior week have reported that they have an increase in confidence in their skills and abilities to create new habits. Wow. That's a great number. You know, that's huge. Another thing that we have found that we have also tracked is what we call the ripple effect. So like any other skill, that once they learn the skill, other things start to fall in place too, because the skill is applied to other areas of their life. For example, one of my clients that I was working with in Tiny Habits, at the end of the week, she said, hey, I just filed all those papers that were stacked on my desk for a month. Does this have anything to do with my tiny habit? And my response is, absolutely, it does. Because it has a ripple effect. You're able to overcome mental barriers that you've put in front of yourself because now you're having breakthroughs and successes in other areas of your life. And that gives you that momentum and that power to overcome sometimes those subconscious mental blocks that we put in there. Right. So, you know, 85% of the people that have gone through, worked with a coach or worked with us in Tiny Habits last week said that 85% of them said that they had, they experienced the ripple effect there was some other kind of positive change in their life that wasn't a tiny habit. But now because they are feeling successful, that's one of the keys is feeling successful. They are now seeing changes in other parts of their life as well. 
the momentum. Now, you probably have yeah. a better understanding as how your brain works in that way. And I would love to hear what you think that interpretation is. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised at your numbers because the confidence is a key. If you don't feel like doing it, you're not going to do it. And I think the methodology in itself takes the shame away from mm-hmm. behavior change. The thought of what people might perceive as what it takes to change your behavior. They're already viewing it as just like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm not capable. But you're able to show them, look, this is scientific proof based on behavior change that all you need to do is just design it differently. And you can play with this and you can have fun. And then because it takes that shame and guilt away, the confidence level goes up. And I can see, because in coaching, I can see this is why it's such a game changer for coaches. Because in coaching, what's the bottom line thing clients want? It's breakthrough. They just want results, right? Like they don't need to be educated on all of the science or whatever. They just want to experience a breakthrough. And this helps empower them because like, I can see why coaches, if they learn this methodology, once they get it and they take the shame and guilt away from the client, teach them this method, help them try it. It's really easy to do. Play around with this. Experience the results for yourself. Now they're feeling more confident. They're feeling better. And what else would you experience except the breakthrough? It's like it's almost like this is the secret sauce, in my opinion. If you <laughs> understand this, yeah. then, oh my gosh, your level of consistent breakthroughs you can create in the people you help it's going to go up and the data shows it as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And along those same lines, Eugene, what we also see is people's identity changes. Right. And this, you know, plays into the guilt. You know, guilt is very harmful. It keeps us trapped. It keeps us from progressing forward. And oftentimes when we say, you know, when we play into the guilt and the shame, we blame ourselves. If people aren't able to create habits, it's not their fault. It's that they don't have the right approach and they aren't putting themselves at the advantage you know, the advantage that the tiny habits method can give them. And so it's very freeing to say, no, you can do less, just do a little bit and celebrate, feel good about that. And then that will propel you forward. You know, we get emails every day, we get, you know, feedback on our surveys, how transformative this is for people, how it gives them hope, how it helps them see themselves differently. In fact, one individual that wrote me a couple of weeks ago, she said, this is my new superpower. That's what tiny habits is. It's a superpower. Yes. And because now she, yeah, so she now has a tool and a skill that's helping her live her fullest life and to design the kind of individual that she wants to be. And so it's really fun to see that change and that transformation. This is so exciting because like one of the things I often say to people is like, you know, your personality isn't permanent. If you really think about it, a personality is just a habit, (laughs) right? It's a habit of how you think, how you behave, how you feel on a daily basis. And I feel like with tiny habits, not only are you changing behaviors, but what's so cool about it is, is you're also transforming people at a personality level to become more grateful, to become more courageous. Yeah. And I I think to really become their true selves that they were destined to be. And so, you know, back to that experience with my horse accident, when I had that impression that, you know, my life had been saved, I need to find out why. I know this is why. And God has given me a lot of opportunities and experiences to have hardships and to rise above them, to become resilient. And it's because of the habits that I have and the tool that I have with the tiny habits method. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this. I know this is my purpose and my work. BJ also knows this is his life purpose as well, is to bring this methodology to the world. And that's what we're striving to do. so that everybody can have a happy and healthier life. To also go full circle with the Maui habit and how this still continues to be a great tool 
in my arsenal of really showing up as my best self. As I mentioned, my husband was diagnosed in 2014 with early onset Alzheimer's. We did lose him in 2020 Mm. at the age of 65 to that horrible disease. This was the middle of the pandemic. And in the middle of this, we were allowed to have a social distance viewing and funeral. Now, we've lived here in Las Vegas for 40 years. My husband's been very influential in the community for that period of time. And and I knew there'd be a lot of people that would want to come to pay his respects, their respects to him. I also knew that those two days, the day of the viewing and the day of the funeral, were going to be probably the most difficult and painful days of my life, second to my son's death. And so those two days, as those two days were coming up, I knew that I could not get up and say it's going to be a great day. I'm very literal, and I knew that would be essentially a lie, that I knew that those were not going to be great days. So I revised that tiny habit recipe. And that's also the beauty of the tiny habits method, is you can revise it to reflect what you need to do in your life or revise it to reflect what you want to accomplish. And so with that tiny habit, what I decided to do is on those two days, when I got up and my feet hit the floor, what I said to myself is, I'm going to make it a great day for those that come to pay their respects to Brent. I put my focus and my intent on making it a great day and acknowledging those that took time out of their day in the middle of COVID to come and physically or virtually pay their respects. So as we went through those two days, and I did that, instead of placing my focus on me, the poor widow and my poor children, I was able to really acknowledge what people had done in my husband's life or the life of my family. And at that time, gave me the opportunity to thank them and to honor them. As a result, and this is what surprised me, as a result, those days were great days. They were great days for me. They were great days for my children. And I heard from many of those that came how uplifted they were as a result of being there. And there's no question in my mind why. And so that's the power of the Tiny Habits Method and the power of intentionally designing our lives and designing how we respond and how we want to be as human beings. Oh my gosh, I love that. So you're telling me, anyone can get trained in this. Is that right? Like absolutely anyone anyone willing to learn, committed to learn can get trained in this. Yes. So how do I go about this if I wanted to start learning and training in this methodology as well to be equipped with the same tools? Uh, You can go to tinyhabitsacademy.com and on our academy page, you'll see that there is a tab that says get certified. We start a new certification program every two weeks. And we teach it live on Zoom. It's very condensed. It's a um, seven-week training. We meet for 90 minutes once a week. There's assignments that you do in between. We have additional training videos, many from BJ, some from me. And we train you to be an expert in habit formation, not just an expert in tiny habits, but an expert in really understanding how human behavior works and how to help yourself and others create habits that will help them transform their lives. So that's the best way to do that. We also host panel discussions. We have about two of those a month where we feature some of our licensed coaches in sharing how they're applying the tiny habits method. For example, earlier this month, we had a panel on tiny habits for reducing stress. Now, who wouldn't benefit from that? We have a panel coming up on tiny habits for introverts and how Mm. you can pull pull out of that introverted, painful place sometimes and really learn how to reach out to other people. So all those uh, panel discussions are recorded and they're on the Tiny Habits Academy site, as well as signing up for one of our next panels. You can attend it live, ask questions. And so we do those twice a month as well. So we really have a lot of resources to help you learn the Tiny Habits method or to help you become an expert in Tiny Habits 
to use it in your practice. And this is so cool because the impact of this has reached pretty far now too. Didn't you um, recently bring this work into Ariane Huffington's world and her team and other organizations as well? Yes. Thrive Global is using, they've contracted our Tiny Habits coaches to help coach their corporate program that they're offering in Thrive Global because they recognize the impact of this and they recognize the success of this methodology. That's so cool. And uh, where can people find you? Are you on social, LinkedIn, or anything like that at all? Yeah, all the above. Um, You can find me on social at Linda Fogg Phillips, and that's with two G's, Mm F-O-G-G, Linda Fogg Phillips on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. And also you can follow us, Tiny Habits, on Instagram and Facebook as well. But uh, yeah, I, I I would love to have you reach out to me. If you have questions or want to be pointed in the right direction, if you have some concerns, yeah, join our world. You know, we really are. In fact, Eugene, we just launched a newsletter this week. Uh, we haven't done a newsletter and we got, ama- I was a little hesitant because, you know, lose- uh-huh. newsletters can be boring, but oh my goodness, we sent it out on Tuesday, our first newsletter ever. We're going to be sending it out on a monthly basis. And I was blown away how many positive responses we got back ah, from people as the information in, in the newsletter. So uh, well, that's yeah. just a testament to all the impact your whole team has made to this point. Well, it's pretty fun when you really recognize that you are fulfilling the purpose that your life was saved for. So it's pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. I'm so honored to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm sure that everyone listening is going to get so much value out of this. And I appreciate you so much, Linda. Thank you again. Thank you, Eugene. Creating amazing habits in your life is the most important recipe. And the secret that Linda shared here was the instant celebrations. When you are able to shift your mood, you will act differently. This is why instant celebrations are so powerful. And she was so gracious to share the 102 ways to instantly celebrate. I'll attach it as a file in the show notes. So make sure to check that out as well as the rest of her information. Thanks so much for listening. See you on the next episode.